You're listening to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. Here's your host, Gary Durbin. Welcome to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast, where we talk about worship ministry and the local church. Today with me is Troy Kennedy. He's been in ministry for over 30 years, and the majority of that time, he was a worship leader for churches, including a season at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren. He and his family have been in the Kansas City area at Westside Family Church for many years, and he's currently the Next Steps pastor there. So, Troy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's a real privilege. And I should say, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun last time, and, <laughs> and we said we're going to, you're just going to spring it on me, so I... I uh Hopefully I can answer meaningfully on, on the, off the cuff. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind about that. No doubt. Well, today I thought it'd be fun to get your insight and wisdom and experience on the idea of building worship teams. And mm-hmm. I, I like to think of it as building healthy worship teams. And as, as we know with worship teams, um, the majority of, people that are playing or singing on stage, that's going to be volunteer based at the vast majority of churches. So just wanted to get, yeah, your thoughts on that as you've built teams in the past. Mm -hmm. Boy, um, that's a broad question (laughs) because, you know, you, it's such a, the dynamic is different with every church because you have different church cultures, you have different sort of, um, expectations about skill levels, expectations about maturity. Uh, you know, it just dep- it depends if you're in a church of a hundred people versus a church of a thousand, it's just going to be really different. But I would say probably one, as a leader, you need to determine um, your team values. So it's to start off with what, so in other words, you, you talk about team health. I think you need to start off with team Team health has got to have priority over team growth. Mm. Um, and, and you need to ter- determine then what is the healthy team look like? What are the values? Like for us, I, back in the day, I would say, you know, the number one thing was humility and um, servant heartedness. Just because of the nature of the stage, um, when people, you know, it's, it's a responsibility. Um, and so there are sometimes that can be a heady thing and it can be difficult to navigate and we're all motivated by different things. So, but just sitting down and and really having some soul searching prayer with you, maybe with your pastor or other leaders in your church and say, here are like our irreducible values for the team, whether that's uh, teachability or humility or servant heartedness or maturity. And then what, then if you're going to say maturity, then what level of maturity are you going to have? Um, in some roles, is it okay to have people who are unbelievers mm-hmm. or not? Um, how, how should they be involved in the life of the church already? Should they already be members? All those kinds of things you need to mm-hmm. kind of predetermine. And um, for, for the most part, you're probably already going. <laughs> You've already got a team in place and you're already serving and Sunday mm-hmm. comes you know, regularly. So you're probably just trying to figure out, okay, then if I need to make some adjustments then who's on board and who isn't on board. Um, that So that's my, my first blush at it. If you're coming to your church and say, you're the brand new worship guy and the church has been there for 10 years, you're already dealing with an existing ecosystem and an existing values culture. 
So then you got to determine, okay, um, what about that is worth keeping? And what about that is worth upsetting? Mm. Um, because it is upsetting. People, most people view change with a sense of loss and with a certain amount of anger. <laughs> and, yeah. and it doesn't matter how small it is. It's just it, whatever's familiar is what they like, you know, and they came on board under a certain set of expectations and now you're messing with it. So anyway, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about those kinds of things, but it, it, there's, there's a process to that that's healthy and there's, and there are also really terrible ways of doing it that, you know, get mm -hmm. you in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So you and I first connected years ago at a conference. And if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know who Troy is. You can actually go back in the archive of my podcast here and, and hear his other interview where he, he talks about his background. And one of the things about your background is you've been in different sizes of churches. Yeah. And I remember being in one of your workshops years ago and you talking about the difference between those and just the journey you've been on. You've been in smaller churches, but you've also been in Saddleback Church, right? Uh, which is, which is a, a beast. So what was Saddleback like when it came to like building worship teams and the culture there? Yeah, well, Saddleback, you know, it's is such a big organization and um and they could afford to have really high expectations in terms of execution right so when we're talking about musicians and singers um there was they could ask for people to be basically professional level players and singers for the most part mm -hmm. and um and get away with that and they actually they had budgets so they would have higher chairs in the band and it would have, you know, just, it's just bigger administration, bigger expectations. Um, as opposed to when a church of a hundred people, that's just like, man, we're hoping the drummer shows up this morning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's just, it's just a different animal. Um, and there are advantages to both of those things. And there, there are obviously uh, blind spots and deficits that come with those different paradigms. Yep. But I would say just the biggest thing with Saddleback was, um, obviously under Rick, you've got really wonderful, clear headed, systematic leadership that bleeds down into the whole organization. Um, you have a really clear vision of what the role worship plays in the church and expectations about who's doing what and how, what level of excellence or execution or spirituality or maturity is, ex is, um, acceptable. Uh, so all those things are kind of nice for me when I stepped in, it was already way going and blowing. I was just like mm -hmm. sparky tuna coming in off the street. Didn't know what I was getting myself into and uh, sparky tuna, by the way, you can use that. That was, you know, all your junior worship leader interns should be sparky tuna, just so you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I came in and I, I was like big, big eyed and you know, all of a sudden, just because I got hired, I had all this credibility with people, which I really did not earn and did not deserve. And so it was, it was a really heady thing. And, um, I think God was gracious to give me that responsibility at that point in time where I was able to learn a lot and, uh, they were very gracious with me, but anyway, stepping into an existing system, which I was folding into, I wasn't shaping or creating it. Mm -hmm. I was adjusting my own, uh, expectations to the existing system, which was wonderful. And at the same time, like you, you go into any experience like that, you learn, well, this is what I like, and this is what I don't like. 
It's the old, if I were in charge, I would do it this way, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure the guy, you know, at the time, Rick Muchow, who's just this wonderful, talented, godly man. Mm. And, um, you know, he's way up the totem pole, man. He's an internationally known guy, wonderful songwriters, more talented than I am by a long shot for, as a musician. And, uh, but also, you know, when you have that kind of responsibility, sometimes you're, um, and you've been there for a long time, the team will reflect both your strengths and your weaknesses. And it's like that anywhere. I like to say the further up the totem pole you are, the more of your backside everybody can see. Mm. And um, it's anytime you get sort of a, a larger platform like that, it's real clear that um, this is a human being leading these things and creating human systems that are what they are. And you just learn to have some, uh, hopefully you show enough grace in that situation so that when you're that guy, the people who are coming in under your leadership will give you that same amount of grace. Oh, for sure. I love that you mentioned Rick Mitchell. Um, I've had a few interactions with him. Yeah. I wish he was still with us. I know. I would yeah. love to have him on this podcast. He would be perfect as far as what I can tell. Yeah. And uh, he just seems like he seemed like one of those uh, leaders that really cared. Yeah. Well, the thing I learned with Rick uh, and he was such a wonderful, winsome guy, uh, mega talented just kind hearted, um, force of nature. <laughs> you know, he, he is one of those guys, like it's going to sound awful, but like when he was coming down the hallway, you would like duck into the bathroom because you knew if you interacted with him, you're going to walk away with a new task. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, we were walking along the hallway and he's like, Hey, Troy, Hey, I've been thinking about something like, oh, I got an no. idea. Oh no. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to organize the Christmas party or something. So, uh, but really a wonderful guy and so, so gifted. And the thing I learned from Muchow, which was, I learned how to be a pastor mm. um, versus being just a worship leader or yeah. a guy administrating a band or whatever it is. He really taught me about pastoring that community um, and modeled it extremely yeah. well. He was the guy showing up at the hospital and mm. writing the notes and um, coming alongside people and doing the difficult lunches and everything versus just like having auditions and uh, getting charts together and rehearsing bands, you know, all that's all important. It's a part of it. Yeah. But um, he really kind of got me in touch with the shepherding end of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say, man, I wish he was still around and I wish yeah. uh, I could have him because he def definitely sounds like that more than a worship leader Absolutely. category. Mm -hmm. When I think of Rick Machal, well, you mentioned the idea that auditions and things like that are part of what we do, even if we right. want to be a shepherd. So like when you're in a small church, <laughs> it's so different, like audition. Right. I just hope someone if some if they have drumsticks like just right. put them back there you know right. and there's there's a lot of situations like that i've been there i've been on you know my first church was smaller and i got there on a sunday morning and literally was praying for a drummer and god provided a drummer i remember right. in that service this guy came up to me i had no drummer he came up he's like he's like i can play drums and it was right. just like it showed it taught me the prayer aspect praying for 
the right people for your team. Mm-hmm. And there's there's all that. And then one of the things I tell um, worship leaders in small churches, like you, you even mentioned the, the the term rotation, they they can laugh because they're like, I don't I don't have one, you know. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I I always tell them that you can make that d- a goal and and make sure that you teach that even if you have mm-hmm. a small team and without a rotation to make sure to get them ready for that. Right. And that also plays into auditioning. So when you're building a worship team, I've learned the effectiveness of auditions, especially mm-hmm. as you get in bigger churches. So when it comes to auditions, mm-hmm. how have you handled that? What have you learned? uh, as you've built worship teams? Ooh. Um, well, I say whether you're a big or small church, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot, it's a case by case basis and it's very, it's soaked in prayer. And like you said, you know, I prayed for a drummer and he showed up. I'm like, yay. I prayed for a drummer and a clarinet player showed up like, all right, great. You know, I mean, (laughs) you're just going to do, you're going to do with what God provides at the same time, you know, as a leader, and a shepherd of the team, I think you have, you're creating a team that is there to serve the church, right? So it's a service role and it's not, um, we're not launching anybody's careers from that platform and we're not scratching any prima donna itches or anything like that. So it's up to you to shepherd the, the culture of that team that is then going to influence the church really highly. So one, once again, kind of coming back to what is, what is your irreducible values? And then do the people who are coming along, um, can they fold into that, right? Is there an understanding of what it is you're doing and can they go along? So whether you're auditioning or just kind of bringing people in, um, this is going to sound really mercenary, but it, it is easier to keep out a problem than to get rid of one. Hmm. And so what you're looking, and, and I would say this, you know, talent and character are not mutually exclusive, but if I had to pick one over the other, I'd pick character um, because talent, you know, it, it's a gift, but it can be really mishandled. And what I'm trying to do is protect the team from toxicity because one, one toxic person for lots of different personality reasons or maturity reasons or sin reasons or whatever it is can really uh, influence the rest of the team sometimes as much or more than you are as a leader. Um, So I think it's really important to kind of like try to vet those things out ahead of time. Um, I would be cautious about giving anyone um, putting anyone on the platform really early on, like, Hey, I just transferred here from the other church on the other side of town. And I'm, I'm a play a keyboard player and everything. And it's like, Oh, great. You know, it's like, and I know you really need desperately need a keyboard player. So you're just, your temptation is to put them on right that Sunday. And I think you need to just ask yourself, first of all, why did they come from that other church? Did they leave? Well, um, I regularly will call worship leaders from other, or back in the day when I was doing this, I would call other worship pastors and ask them, Hey, so-and-so just came here. They were on the team over there. Do you have any, uh, you know, any heads up for me? And I would do the same for them. Mm -hmm. I would call them and just say, Hey, you know what? John is leaving. He's coming over. He's a really good drummer, but he's, he's in a super challenging season right now. And I would just go slow with him. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So there's that. And then the other piece of it is not to put them up too quickly is to say that make sure that they own the church before they own the team. There you go. Um, in other words, they buy into the overall vision, mission, values, culture of your church uh, rather than, oh, they're just looking for a gig. Yeah. Right. They're looking to play somewhere. And that's not terrible, but it's not the best. And if you can, if you can choose, I'd say, hey, do you buy into this local church body, this family before you own the team? And then I would say, do you own the team? That is the team's mission, role, values, however you determine those to be before you own the chair, mm. which is drummer or keyboard player or singer, whatever it is. Um, it's more important that they own and love the team and the role of the team versus, well, I'm the drummer or the guitar player. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Ho hopefully I'm not clouding that, but no, no. Yeah. The, I think the idea of valuing character and I've always Put it as talent and heart that's what i'm mm -hmm. looking for so i want people on my team that have talent and that and they have heart and by valuing the character by valuing the heart piece of it what you're doing as a leader is you're protecting the culture would you agree right. with that absolutely yeah yeah and, and you know you have to determine well what does that heart look like like i've been on i've been on teams um in sig places significant places where um if someone was like an amazing singer, a lot of stuff got overlooked. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a judgment call because you're not like, I'm not trying to judge. We're not expecting perfection or, or perfect holiness or righteousness because we're dealing with people. And at the same time, it's a judgment call as to whether putting a person up on the platform who's maybe their character, um, might be publicly questionable. I mean, it's just, it's a very difficult thing to juggle. That's why, you know, they pay you to do that job because, <laughs> because you're the one who has the hard conversations and you have to make that call. It's like, you know, uh, someone's really challenged in their marriage or something. And it's like, well, are them, is the person devoting a ton of time to this team, the best call? Or should I say, hey, why don't you step away for a season and really focus your energy on your marriage and this, whatever that challenge is over here, we'll still be here. We're not going anywhere. We love you. Um, so, Like I said, you got to juggle those things. And there's no one size fits all answer to those questions. That's, you know, that's why you're a pastor and you're praying for discernment and counsel. Yeah. In the audition process, as you consider new worship team members, one of the things that I've experienced is I have to gauge potential as well. So mm -hmm. there, you know, you get someone who's bought in, they're a member of the church, they love Jesus, and then you audition them and it's like, ooh, they're they're I think they're there, but not quite. But when, you know, like I've had to make the decision on when do I pull the trigger. And putting somebody on the team, right? I feel like they have potential. Have you? How have you gauged that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the wonderful parts of the job. I know that. I know that there are lots of churches out there that would say it's not my job to develop musicians or develop talent, and I get that. You know, it's we're a church, right? Let's do what churches do. At the same time, as a leader who has 
uh, singers and players who might be 16 years old or 60 years old. Um, I try to create systems to help nurture someone with potential, like you're saying. So it might be like, for instance, for a singer, um, I, I used to have sort of like a worship choir and I would put that worship choir up about once a month or so, once every four or five weeks. Well, you can hide, it sounds terrible, but you can hide some developing singers in that group and they're not hurting you. And they actually have an opportunity to grow and um, develop their ear or intonation or whatever the issue is. And they're a part of the team, but you're just not putting a mic in their hand just yet. Or perhaps student ministries is a place that sounds terrible, but also because we're not trying to give them leftovers, but we're trying to, it's a lower risk environment, right? Sunday morning in front of the church body, however big it is, is a higher risk environment than say maybe a midweek service or a student ministry or some other uh, venue that you might have. So I, you just try to find safe, low risk ways to develop people. Um, and that's, you know, I used to audition singers three times a year um, and it's going to sound real, you're going to hate this, but <laughs> I would have everybody sing every time, like people who've been on the team for 10 years, like re-audition them. Yeah. And it wasn't so much an audition as much as it was a camaraderie. Um, so someone you've seen on the platform a hundred times, they come in there and they sing a song in front of everybody, just like you are. And um, it's not like they're going to get kicked off the team or anything, but they're just kind of one get show, have, they have an opportunity to show how they are growing and developing. And, um, and it just says something to the new people that we're all in this together and there's not this uh, elitist hierarchy out there. Right. Um, that may not be the right answer for everybody, but I guess I'm just saying you have systems to um, sh give people opportunities to grow and develop. And that's why that audition was helpful. Cause I would see somebody who's been in for like six months or a year and I could get a really regular sense of how they're growing just by what song they would pick and how they would sing in the group or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, your mileage may vary, but that was one way of doing that. Oh, that's good. That's great. So I, what I love about the stuff that we've talked about is I think it's super valuable for worship leaders who are in growing churches, um, possibly, probably full-time at what they do. Mm -hmm. But I also think about those worship leaders that are in smaller churches yeah. that are not getting paid they uh you you mentioned yeah that's why we get paid but it's also for the people who aren't getting paid yeah it, i would say that's why they gave you the position because they're putting trust mm -hmm. in you to lead this ministry so when you think about the the those that are in smaller churches yeah uh, they have limited resources um probably not a rotation hope hoping to have a band on stage every week right what would you say to them as far as when it, when it comes to uh, building a, a healthy worship team? Well, one, I think you have to start with yourself. Um, you have to make sure that you are cultivating a healthy relationship between you and God, that you have healthy rhythms in your personal life and your family. Um, it's just too easy to get overwhelmed with all of it, especially if you're volunteering and uh the church can actually be get, get you sideways. 
you know, you can, you can start stealing unhealthily from your family. So trying to find that, that balance and that spiritual sort of, uh, there's no one else who can cultivate your soul between you and God, but you, nobody else can do that for you. So I say number one, um, and then building a healthy team. Another piece of that is what is your, the expectations of the leadership of the church, whether it's your senior pastor or elder board or whoever that is, and what is acceptable to them? In other words, they asked you to do something. Do they expect you to have a full band every week mm, or, yeah. or is there some latitude there? Could you occasionally be just you and a guy with a cajon and another singer? or you and a keyboard player, or you by yourself and another singer playing guitar or whatever it is, is there some latitude? Because um, one, you are, you are going to have deficits. I think those deficits should be viewed as opportunities. Like say, we got no drummer this week. Great, no drummer. So how can we leverage that intimacy or quietness or that dynamic in a way that's going to be look like we planned it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> bless the church with something with a little bit of variety based on the availability of what God is providing for you. So I would say like, personally, I don't think apart from the leader, maybe I don't think every team member should be up there every week. I think everybody needs a Sunday off just to sit and be in the chairs and remember that they are part of the body and they're not just on the team. And so you can schedule those things in or their life rhythms can help schedule those in. It's like your drummer says, hey, by the way, I'm on vacation on the third Sunday of the week. Great. We'll do a no drummer week and we'll have a real quiet, intimate, whatever sing along. Um, so I think you can leverage those things really healthy way for the body if your church leadership will uh, give you the freedom to do that and view that as a plus, not a, a minus. Mm. That's good. Well, this has been fantastic, Troy. I really appreciate you coming on. You were my second guest yeah. in the first season of the podcast, and now you're my second guest in the second season. So who knows? This might be a trend. We'll see See if we yeah. can keep that rolling. And I'm excited about your book. We didn't get to talk about that much, yeah. uh, but we'll. I'll have you back on. We'll promote the Hero Worship book. I really want yeah. everyone to go check that out. That's on Amazon now. Yeah, and you can you. also what's what's the name of your podcast that you just launched? Troy Marshall Kennedy, the Troy Marshall Kennedy podcast. There's <laughs> I say I feel so pretentious using my middle name, but um I guess there's a Christian comedian named Trey Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a there's also a screenwriter called named Troy Kennedy Martin. And um and I Anyway, so I just thought, well, for the sake of, I'm not going to be as cool as C.S. Lewis or J.R.R. Tolkien. So I would, I, if I were that cool, I'd use my initials, but I'm just going to throw my middle name in there just so at least it's distinct in some way. But yeah, Troy Marshall Kennedy podcast. And I just launched the season where every episode is meant to go in tandem with a chapter of the book. It's more like a, a spiritual formation journey for people to kind of walk in the imitation of Christ. And so how do we do that in really accessible, practical ways? And the podcast is meant to accompany that 12-week journey. So um, yeah, but it's just just got released, I think, a week ago. And they'll get an episode a week, I guess, is going to go out as we come along. Make sure if you're listening to go check out that podcast, definitely go get his book, Hero Worship. That's a book that I'm 
getting ready to take someone through uh, nice. that I'm that I'm in a discipleship relationship with. So I'm I'm excited about that. And uh, you you're not only a great guest on this podcast, but you have become a great friend and a mentor to me. So I appreciate you. I think thank you for your continued faithfulness and ministry and the heart for the Lord and his church. So, and also thanks for coming back on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. You're a joy. I really hope this conversation was inspiring and encouraging, especially to those who are in charge of building and leading worship teams. That can be a thankless part of the worship leader position, but it's so valuable to our churches. And it's important to value and protect a culture of health in our worship teams. Here's what I said in my book, More Than a Band. Serving on a worship team should not be looked at as a gig. It should be more than a gig, and we should be more than a band. We are brothers and sisters in Christ who are in community, serving Jesus together. Each member is using the gifts he has given to us. It's important to have talent, but our heart will be what sustains us. When a worship team has both talent and heart, it makes for a beautiful tapestry of service to God and His ministry. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please add this to your podcast list, review it, and share it with others. And don't forget about Gary's books, More Than a Worship Leader and More Than a Band, available on Amazon today.